It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Out in the water, people don't see the disability. They see us. Last year, National Lottery players contributed 254 million euro to good causes like Lockery, Access for All, Angling Hub. That's why the boat is so important. You make this possible. The National Lottery. The Lake Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the Renault, Dacia and Opel range. Whether it is a petrol, diesel, LPG, plug-in hybrid or electric, we have the perfect car for you. See blackstonemotors.ie Welcome to Late Lunch this Friday afternoon. We have the crisps, we have the peanuts, we have the chocolate, no pork scratchings. We'll be getting round to the tasting a little later on on the show. Thank you for joining us once again this afternoon. Our final show of the month of July. Lots of chat, guests, music and more besides over the next couple of hours. And I have your riddle ready to go as well. But we're heading to Australia to start the show today. Lots of expats and so many from the northeast as well have made new lives for themselves in Australia. They love to get home from time to time, but that's been very, very difficult since the pandemic outbreak. We're heading there now to Sydney to talk to Talonstown man David McCabe. No, he's not Talonstown, is he? He is Talonstown. I better not get it wrong. Yes, Talonstown. David I am, McCabe. yes. <laughs> you are, David. Sorry, I just got a little confused with my next guest. Anyway, you're welcome to the show. Good to talk to you again. We so- talked some time ago. What was that about? Was, that, was it a heat wave or something or fires or... Um, I could have been. I can't remember with everything that's been going on. Yeah. Um, I, I was on. Uh, we were in Byron Bay. At the, I think the last time we spoke, it was it was quite hot. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I think it was in the context of the fire outbreaks out there. Well, anyway, talk about fires. Some fire around the world since COVID-19 emerged. Tell us about Sydney today. We're hearing here like the cases are up. You're in in the midst of a long lockdown, five weeks at this stage, and the army have been deployed. Is it as awful as it sounds? Um, look, it just depends on where you live, I suppose. Um, I'm lucky enough to be living in North Sydney. Um, there is certain um, local, they're called LGAs here, Jerry, the local government areas. Um, and there is certain areas that are completely under lockdown where people can't leave their homes. Um, and there is certain um, restrictions in place for those people where they cannot leave their house unless it's completely essential for medical um, reasons. Or, or they're really trying to do online shopping where the shopping is actually delivered to them. And on different um, local government areas, you can travel five kilometres and you can leave your home for exercise. And for me, I can leave my home um, for 10 kilometres. I'm an essential worker, so 
It, it really just depends on where you're living. And yes, the army has been deployed to do random um, door checks and um, where they knock on the um, people's door and make sure that the people who actually are in the home um, reside in the home. So there's not people, you know, mixing yeah. um, around. Mm. So uh, as we're hearing is happening, but depending on the area you are and what you're working at, etc. Um, it's your winter time there. What's winter like in Sydney? Oh, it's winter, yeah. <laughs> um, we've the heaters on at the minute. And um, I suppose it's for us, it's about 15 degrees. It's quite cold for us. And um, I think yesterday was the hottest winter day we had or the day before um, in, in maybe 40 years, I think. And um, it was like 24 degrees for, for, for winter. Mm. It was quite nice, I, w- I will say. But it wasn't, we didn't have the humidity. We just had, you know, the sun was beautiful and it was, it was, quite, it was quite nice and fresh, I'd say, you know, for us living here. Mm, God, 15 degrees, we'd take it. Uh, we'd bite your arm off for it uh, normally. But after our uh, real hot spell recently, well, we were getting used to the high 30s and beyond uh, as well. What? I've seen that. Oh, I'm yeah. So jealous, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yes, David. Well, listen, don't be jealous. What's rare is wonderful in this country. But they're, they're, saying, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're saying we're going to experience it more with global warming. Tell me this. You mm. were doing so well in Australia. Close the borders, stop people, and very restrictive coming and going, as I said. And you seem to be one of the model large nations of the world beating this uh, pandemic. And now you're in the midst of this. What, what, what went wrong? Look, Jerry, I, I think it really just depends on um, the circumstances that's surrounding the, you know, the, the cases that have been um, presented to us. Um, basically, the people, Australia is a very multicultural you know, community and country. There was a lot of people returning from Europe and all around the world that can back to Sydney and Australia itself. With that in mind, they had to come into a quarantine process where they had to stay in quarantine for 14 days. And a lot of the quarantine that happened in Sydney and Australia has been breached. A lot of, you know, there had been a lot of breaches um, in place. With that, a new, you know, variant of the COVID-19 disease, which was the Delta, has come. And we're allowing three and a half thousand people, um, which has been halved now, um, where the New South Wales government is allowing three and a half thousand people to enter into Sydney per week. Um, you know, so th- those people that's coming in need to have various testing processes. They need to quarantine for 14 days. I think as well that what the problem, what we had was the vaccination rollout of the AstraZeneca as well hasn't been um, really considered and um, I-, I would say imposed on, on, on the local community and the public. Um, the government didn't feel very um, reassured towards the general po- population to take the vaccine. And there wasn't too much reassurance from the, from the government to have the AstraZeneca as well. Um, and they've just rolled out recently to have people um, from the age of 15 to be able to access the AstraZeneca. So I think there hasn't been so much reassurance and um, I suppose confidence in the government um, and the and the public figures and um, you know surrounding that to take the vaccine. Mm. So I think and and the access to the vaccine as well. We we didn't have it. We didn't have it a couple of months ago because we felt that it wasn't needed. Yes. So we're actually asking um, other states within Australia to you know if they have um, access to the vaccine to you know pass it down to New South Wales. So a number of logical reasons there uh, why you are where you are today. You mentioned you're an essential worker. What do you do? I'm a student nurse. Jerry, I finished my final exams today. Yeah, Uh, believe it or not, I had to do my exams from home. So, um, 
imagine that. I can't believe that I have to do that. So I've literally uh, basically done most of my nursing um, schooling and education and uni from home. So that's been um, quite quite um, bizarre, I suppose. You know, yes. that's been a challenge in itself. Mm. Um, and even, you know, for the student nurses, you know, it's been difficult to try and do, um, you know, placements, you know, with, with the COVID. And, and I suppose we, we, we've got, you know, hands-on experience as well being thrown in at the deep end, I suppose, when we did get in as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it just depends on, on what you do and um, where you live, I suppose, in Sydney in mm. terms of what you can do as well. Well, well done to you and you have your stripes now. When, when did you head out there? How long are you living there? I'm here seven years, seven years this month. And you're legal and sorted and all that type of thing? I'm legal. Well, believe it or not, I'm waiting. I've done my um, permanent residency. I have that. I'm waiting to have my citizenship. Um, I have to do an exam um, to have my citizenship. Um, and that's even been postponed. I can't do that um, until the restrictions are lifted. Mm. So that's kind of putting a, a bummer on it, I suppose, you know. So yeah. to be able to have that citizenship of Australia would, would kind of help in terms of being able to get home back to Ireland and, you know, and to be able to kind of, I suppose, have, have a little bit more freedom having that Australian passport. Yeah. It is very difficult to to leave the country and to get back into the country. Yes, and and that's uh, really why I wanted to talk to you today because we've been hearing stories from there of Irish people who are desperate to come home on a visit to see family and friends and just can't. It 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 it's a shocking, uh, stressful situation. I, I'm sure you're hearing that too. Oh, absolutely. I, I I really believe that the you know the Irish community around Australia, not only Sydney, their 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 mental health has been suffering. Um, yeah, it's 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 very difficult for people to be able to um, get home. There's certain processes that you need to undertake to be able to get home, and that's by applying to the New South Wales government um, for a compassionate grant to be able to travel home. And um, it's very difficult to obtain that certificate. Um, we personally have had a circumstance where a very you know close best friend of ours um, tragically lost her parent, um, and we had to have. Um, you know, the funeral via Zoom um, in our household. Um, and that's an experience that I will never forget, I suppose, and, and the difficulty and the trauma, I suppose, and, and that will surround, you know, our friends. Um, but that's something that I hope to never obtain or, or, or have to go through again. But, you know, for somebody whose parent has died and have been denied access to go to, to attend their funeral, you know, back at home in Ireland has just been, I, I suppose, traumatic would be the best, you know, yeah. word to describe that and, and and that surround, you know, the whole experience of it. But but I mean, I think these rules are put in place for certain reasons, you know, which which I may not agree with. But I think because of the multicultural society that we live in and the variance of the Delta variant, which is so um, transmissive, and um, I think the government is just you know tightening the strings once more again. Yeah. Oh my, I hear it. In your words and that situation, it's really sad indeed not to be able to travel. And, you know, it brings me back to something. I've mentioned this in the past to expats who are away from home that you mentioned Zoom and all the other uh, technologies that enable people, you know, to stay in touch and uh, contact their nearest and dearest here. But when when you can't physically make that trip, when you're precluded, all the technology in the world means very little. It does. That's right. You know, it's it's 
just a different experience altogether, really and truly. And 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 the community that you're surrounded with around you, you know, with our Irish friends and you know our English friends, that's that's here. Like that's that's your family. You know, that that that's who pulls together in the end when times like this, um, you know, these circumstances happen. But even now, you know, people are becoming more isolated that we're not able to connect, you know, or be in each other's presence or being, you know, in the same household. And, um, you know, now, currently, today, no, you're, only one person is allowed from one household to be um, in attendance of another person's household. So it's, it's quite difficult, you know, for, for people, especially living alone, um, you know, in our community. Yes, and you know, when you're thousands of miles away from home, that's, I know in your immediate community there, uh, it's exasperated even even more. And like we've been through it here, I don't have to tell you, David, you're in touch with home yourself. We've come through very difficult times here as well. Although now with the uh, numbers being vaccinated and the way we're moving forward, there's great hope uh, that uh, the worst of this may be behind us. Um, you're in touch with the crew, I take it, in Talonstown regular. Oh, I am indeed, every day, yeah. They're, they're all mad. I'm delighted to see that, um, you know, everybody has pulled together and got through the hard times, I suppose. that's That's been a long time, right? It's like 16, 17 months you guys have been in lockdown. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's... Uh it's a stretch. It is a stretch when you are so far away. Well, look at ironically, we're talking to you on the day you take your final exams. You're about to get the, yeah. the stripes, as I said, and uh, a, a new right. aspect of your life is opening up in the coming weeks, months and years. David, look, you've been so kind to take our call. I wish you and all the Irish there all the very best. And hopefully it will be sooner rather than later then travel can resume between Australia and Ireland and people can get back and travel back as well. Thank you for taking our call. We'll be in touch. Thanks, Jerry. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's David McCabe from Talentstown in County Louth who just took his final exams today, his nursing exams. Well done to him. You can hear it there, can't you? The loneliness, the missing, the personal touch, the not being able to come home. It's really, really tough. It is indeed. And we think of them all today on Late Lunch. Short break and when we come back, well, we'll be reflecting on Dundalk's wonderful win in Estonia in the European Conference League last evening. You might recall we spoke to, oh, well, I didn't. Adrian Taft spoke to three Dundalk supporters uh, that he met at the airport on their way to see Dundalk play Levadia Talon last evening. They had no tickets. They were on a wing and a prayer. One of them was Gary Hapney. He's standing by. Adrian's standing by too. But let's talk to Gary first. Hello, Gary. Gary, how are you? You got the tickets. We got the tickets, Gary. Yeah, we were lucky. We had a very good uh, lady concierge on the hotel that looked after us. And in you went last evening. Well, you couldn't have got tickets to a more dramatic match, oh. Gary. Unbelievable, Jerry. Again, didn't get off to the best start, but look, it shows you the boys are made up like they snuck in there. And uh, yeah, they got the job done now. It's just amazing to be there. Another, another great European night for us. Ah, oh, fantastic. And were there any others, there were the three of you, were there any others there that made their way or anyone else supporting Dundalk? Well, yeah, there was a couple of... There was a couple of boys there, Jerry, from Cross and Lend. They were over for a wedding and they just they got tickets for Tim to come to the game. So we spoke to them. Mm. And there was a, a Shelburne uh, fan there. He's actually living in, living in Denmark, but he, he came down to mm. Estonia for some one reason or another. And he went to the game. So yeah, there was a few of us. Ah, lovely, lovely. I'd say you made more noise than the home fans when Patching scored the winner. Well, Jerry, it was just unbelievable. Like, you know, a great ball by Patch McElhenney into him and lovely touch and finish it beautifully so yeah it was amazing amazing and tell them you have the shirt I have yeah 
I, I just so happened now, Will, would he give me his jersey and, you know, that player, he came out after and, and give me the jersey. So, yeah, it's, it's one I'm going to get framed and, and, and put up on the, on the uncle as well. Are you wearing it? No, Jerry, it's, <laughs> it's, it's actually back in the hotel. No, no, we... <laughs> We we went we went there for a week trip as well today, so you know I, it's safe it's safe back there. Did you sleep in it? <laughs> Tried to be told, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> Good on you, Gary. Are you going to yeah. wash it ever, or will you just frame it with everything in it that's in it from the match and you sleeping in it? No, no, I, I, I need a bit of a wash. Yeah, get it washed and get it framed. Good man yourself. You're heading for Finland. Are you in Finland as we speak at the moment? Yeah, we're just in Finland as we speak, Jerry. Yeah, we're just been for a day trip there on the ferry. Just a, just a little bit of sightseeing that, you know. Yeah. I'm so close to it. Mm, nah, it's a lovely so, trip. Yeah. I've been over there myself. Talent's a beautiful city and Helsinki, ah, yeah. all that yeah. that neck of the woods. Now, here's the big question. They, Dundalk are on the road again next week. They're in Holland against Vitesse Arnhem. Are you going? No, I'm not telling you, unfortunately. I'm not. It's too, too, too quick of a turnaround for me to get to that one. <laughs> no, but please, please God, we, we, yeah. we might get the job done over the two legs and yeah. get to one, maybe another one. Yeah, it, it, it's certainly a step up there, a recognised side. Probably uh, they should be a, another round on in this. But you know something, Dundalk have shown the metal in recent years and I'm sure they're going to give it a good crack again. But last night, oh, you've the shirt to show for it and history made again and it's all yours, Gary. How is Anthony? Yeah. How is Anthony? And the, who was the other guy that was with you? Anthony Todd and... Yeah, Eamon Fowles. Ah, yeah. yeah. Eamon, Eamon's back in the story there. He didn't come on this show, but Anthony's here beside me if you want to have a show with him. Put him on there, quick all right, here. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Anthony, thanks. good man yourself. I, I, I take it you didn't get much kip last night. No, 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 no. We've got enough, though. We've got enough. Look, whatever. Um, look, we're still buzzing, to be honest. Whatever. We couldn't sleep in here. So, look, um, what can I say? As Gary said, special night. Special night, and it's great to be part of it so the risk paid off so mm. absolutely mm. I was saying when when Adrian we, we we aired your piece with Adrian the other day and I just threw in a quip at the end to say geez, I hope they're not on the Interpol list if you knew my profession then I definitely hope I'm not the Interpol <laughs> list <laughs> not a chance of it Anthony not a chance at all oh look memorable great times wonderful result and on the Lily Whites March in Europe it's fantastic well listen I let you away there to enjoy Finland thank you both for joining me on the show today Thanks, Jerry. Thanks. Take care of yourselves. Congratulations to you. Adrian Taff is standing by our match commentator. Hello, Adrian. Hello, Jerry. How are you? Well, you just can't uh, put a price on that, can you? A win in Europe, uh, the shirt that Gary has, the drama of the game. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was a fantastic night, I have to say. You know, and the fact that the dock trailed three times across the tie, you know, and last night fell behind again after 17 minutes. Uh, and. David McMillan doing what David McMillan, only David McMillan does, you know, in terms of an Irish striker, you know, breaking, continues to break records. I think that's his 14th in Europe. He's only one behind Robbie and Roy Keane as the all-time greatest goal scorer, Irish greatest goal scorer in European football. He's already got the League of Ireland title, but he's chasing down Robbie and Roy Keane, just one goal behind them now. And it was a, Similar to his goal in the last game as well, it was uh, you know a predatory finish that that Dave McMillan just has that instinct and he, he tucked it away brilliantly. And then, and then that goal in injury time at the end of the game was a fantastic moment as well. You know it was a privilege to be here, and and again you probably heard the footage from the game 
to be able to grab Vinnie Perk. He was coming across and I managed to catch his eye as he was coming across the pitch and I beckoned him up and I had another headset there and to be able to grab him uh, on the whistle as well was a great moment too. You know, really was. It was a great night. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, did you expect to be calling out a penalty shootout? Um, I actually hadn't started to think about that yet, to be honest. Um, you know, there had been so many goals in the game already, you know, that the likelihood of another goal was always there. Although, you know, in the last 15 or 20 minutes, the dog had made a number of changes in the match and ones that Vinnie Perth had to make pretty much because it played 120 minutes against Treaty United on Sunday. There were a lot of tired legs out there. The likes of Sam Stanton, he's not a player that Vinnie Perth would have wanted to take off, but he had given a lot on, on Sunday against Treaty. And players like that have instructed Dundalk and have handed a bit of the initiative to Lavadia Talon. But this said in my interview last night that sometimes it's the team that is bravest that wins these games. And when Lavadia had that initiative, I don't think they were brave enough. They were too conservative. And they didn't force home the little bit of territorial advantage they had. And that offered Dundalk that late opportunity. And, uh, well, didn't McElhaney and Will Patchen take it. Fortune favours the brave. Uh, next stop, Holland. Next up, Harland, yeah, I was speaking to um, a commentator this morning, uh, Mark Rodden, who covers a lot of the Eredivisie, the Dutch league, and I was just asking him what the Dutch can expect out there. And, you know, is it a realistic opportunity? Like, the, the general perception is that this was a very tough draw for the Dutch. It's the sort of game that you'd expect to get in the playoff to get into the group stages rather than a third qualifying round draw. And a third qualifying round in which the Dutch were seen in. Very diff- difficult time. Mark thinks that Dundalk very definitely will be underdogs. Um, yeah. Uh, Vitesse will be favourites. But they're a young side. They're very good going forward, he said. But they wouldn't be used to a bit of physicality. Yes. Which uh, translates as they don't like it of them. Um, so that's why I imagine, you know, we'll factor into Dundalk's approach to the game. You know, okay. they'll have to really get around them, you know. All right, Adrian. Listen, have to leave it there. Thanks for taking our call. Safe journey home. No problem. Take care. Take care. Adrian Taft there reflecting on Dundalk's wonderful win in Europe last evening. We spoke to David McCabe from Talentstown. He's in Sydney at the top of the show and he's in a panic. No need to panic, David. We have it under control. He forgot to say hello to his granny, Vera McCabe. She's in hospital at the moment, but she was listening in as well. Hello, Vera. I hope you're doing well and I hope you're home soon. And he wanted to say in advance, happy birthday to her. Her birthday's coming up soon in August. She'll be 88 years young. Vera, have a great birthday. And David's thinking of you. He hasn't seen her for two years. And delighted to say hello to her on his behalf on the show this afternoon. Uh, we have plenty of messages coming to us. Don't forget the usual numbers 086 1800 658. You can WhatsApp or text me. Peter's been back. I thought Peter was gone. Thought something happened to him. He's worried about Australia now. We leave it to you, Peter. Good man yourself. Uh, give a good shout out, will you, Jerry, to the Irish Roars. They've made us proud with their medals. They have indeed, and we have a boxing medal now too, isn't it great? And I'm sure there'll be more. Uh, Patricia's been on the same. I'm coming back to this with Louise in a while. Jerry, I brought, bought every denomination of crisp yesterday, but I couldn't get the pork scratchings you were talking about. We have an update on that for you as well in a little while when we'll be doing the tasting, I promise you. Your riddle on Friday, I know you're waiting for it. Here it is. We have a lovely little gift to send out to one of you. Are you ready for your riddle on Friday on late lunch? Here it goes. I am a word of six. My first three letters refer to an automobile. My last three letters refer to a household animal. My first four letters is a fish. My hole is found in your room. That's with a W. What am I? 
what am I? Louise has it already. I'm a word of six. My first three letters refer to an automobile. My last three letters refer to a household animal. My first four letters is a fish. My hole is found in your room. What am I? Answers to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text, please. And as she warns me many times about spoilers and books, I know Margaret Madden knows it because she's sharp and I'm warning her not to give it away. It's book club time. Margaret Madden, hello. Hi, honey. How are you? I'm good. Great to have you with us again on the show. Let's get straight to business because, folks, this hasn't happened much with Miss Madden over the years. There's a tie for Book of the Month. There is. They're two very different books and I couldn't decide which one I preferred because I devoured both of them. Mm. So I thought we'd give them joint Book of the Month. Well, here we go. We're making history. Let's start with Sinead Moriarty, please. Yeah, her latest one. It's her 15th novel and it's called About Us. And it's about three couples on a therapist's couch. Yeah, it's three female characters, really, and uh, two of which are um, in relationships and one who is desperate to be in a relationship. So um, we have stay-at-home mum, Alice, um, who is absolutely exhausted. She has four kids. She's knackered. She's trying to be the perfect wife and mother, and she realises that, you know, all these Instagram posts about this, these gorgeous houses with baked goods all around and the kids in their best clothes. It's not real life and she's just knackered. However, her husband is um, getting a little bit fed up and he's feeling very frisky and he's trying to get her interested in sex again and she's just like, I'm too tired. <laughs> so they decide, uh, he, he books them in um, to see the therapist who is a relationship and sex therapist. Maggie Parcel. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they hear her on the radio on a show similar to yours and they, de- you know, they decide to give her a, a, a try. Then we have um, 60-something Anne um, who is married and her husband is retiring and her kids have flown the nest and she is bored. I mean, really, really bored. And she's looking at her husband almost with disdain now at him on his leather lounger watching sport on TV and she's had enough. She wants to inject some more fun into their lives, especially into their sex lives. So they also head over to the therapist. And then there's Orla, who's a primary school teacher. She's a young girl in her 20s, but she has a medical issue which prevents her from having sex. So she goes to the therapist to speak about how she can overcome this and be brave enough to start out in the dating world. Yeah, and she has her eye on Paul, a father of one of the school children she's teaching. Yeah, he's um, separated or divorced from his um, wife, so he's free and available and she's very attracted to him. But she's kind of keeping him at arm's length because of her own issues. Um, so she talks to the therapist about that. So the common theme is sex. Uh, yeah, it is. And it's actually really, um, It's parts of it are so funny. Like they're given sex homework to do. <laughs> Uh, and especially the couple in the 60s in their 60s is very very funny the husband is mortified and does not want to take part in this at all so parts of it are very funny but then parts of it are really accurate observations of what it's like to be a mother these days what it's like to have your kids uh, flee the nest which is kind of ironic mine had left and now they're coming back but anyway <laughs> as they do they're like boomerangs I know um, but it's full of humour and as I said great observations about what life is like now in all different age brackets you know so mm. really really enjoyed this one I, I literally read this in one sitting there you go she loves it it's joint 
title winning book of the month and late lunch book club about us by Sinead Moriarty. Now you're right, the other one, The Heights by Louise Candlish, it's totally different. It is. Now this is a psychological thriller um, and I love Louise Candlish's book so when this came through the advanced copy I was like, oh my God, I didn't even know she had a new one. So she wrote this during lockdown. Um, It's called, as I said, it's called The Heights and The Heights is actually a very posh building in the centre of London. And Ellen is a kind of an interior lighting specialist and she's looking out the window of one of her clients and she, in the, on a balcony across the way, she sees a man and she's horrified because she presumed, like he, he's meant to be dead. And the reason we know this is because she arranged his murder. So yes. uh, that's how it starts. Yep. And it kind of unfolds and you discover that her son, Lucas, was killed by um, a guy by Kieran in a car accident. Um, They were just about, they just finished uh, secondary school, they were starting college. And it's basically this whole story that unravels uh, is where Ellen believes that this guy, Kieran, got off far too lightly. And she she descends into this kind of grief-ridden journey of revenge. And that, that includes arranging his murder. But then, you know, Mm. he appears. Yes, he appears out of the blue. His name is Kieran Watts, friend of our sons. Lucas dies, our son, in a terrible accident. Uh, And I suppose they look back at that time, uh, what they did or didn't do. But she always hung the blame on this guy, as you say. And there he is in this apartment block. She sees him, she knows, and she sets out to go after this guy. She does, and she ropes in um, Lucas's dad to kind of help her, so the two of them decide to uh, pay for a hitman. Mm. So it is an intriguing book indeed, a psychological thriller, a mother's obsession uh, with avenging her son's death. It's called The Heights by Louise Candlish. You loved it equally to the other one, so that's why you just can't split them, even though they're entirely near opposites. They are, they're very, very different, but I, you know, I enjoyed them equally, so I thought, you know... Give them both credit. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not indeed? Now, uh, audiobooks you've been talking quite a bit to us uh, about lately, and you're a big fan, I'll say it again. And you're not just quite finished this one, but you love this book, you tell me. I'm really enjoying this. This is um, Laura Cummings. It's um, on Chapel Sands, it's called. And it's basically, a, it's a memoir, kind of, kind of. <laughs> it's non-fiction anyway. Laura Cummings is an art critic um, with The Observer. And she finds out that, her, her, this is all true story, basically. She finds out in 1929, her mother, Betty, had been kidnapped from a beach um, over in the UK, on the, on the coast of the UK, uh, and was gone for a couple of days. And it, all very hush-hush, and nobody will talk about it. And basically, she, she tries to examine what happened, and she goes back and looks at the life of her grandparents, Vida and George. And by using photographs, which is the only real link that she has to her grandparents, she examines, using her, her critical eye, she looks at these photographs and tries to give these people personalities and see what happened. And we do find out very early on that um, her mother, Betty, had been adopted at the age of three by Vida and George. Um, but as, in regards to her disappearance, it wasn't a stranger who kidnapped her. It was somebody from her past. And she was found in a house safe and well, only twi- 12 miles away from where she had been taken. So the story kind of unfolds um, through the words of Laura and her mother, who has, has been writing down for many, many decades about her past, you know. 
And the thing in this is, uh, the, the her adoptive parents that you mentioned there, uh, mm. George and Vida, they were almost 50 when they adopted her, you yeah. know, and they were old for adopting a child. And that played out through her early life. Yeah, it did. And I, I mean, you do find out very early on that it wasn't really an official adoption at all. Um there's more to it that I, I won't give away because it's, it's yes. it, you're kind of drip-fed information, as Laura Cumming was herself over many decades. Um, so I won't ruin it, no spoilers. But it, 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 I'm listening to it and it's her herself reading it. So I, to me, that's always very special, especially with the memoir. Um, and again, I got that on Box through the library. It's fantastic. So there you are, folks. It's on Borrow Box. You should be on Borrow Box through the library. It's called On Chapel Sands by Laura Cumming. And the twists and turns, I know you're not giving them away. Mm. They're unbelievable. Right to the very end of this book, you will be held. And, and you're not quite finished yet. I, I know no. that as well. But it's an intriguing story. It really is. The way as well, Margaret, a local community closes ranks and nobody says anything. Absolutely. Secrets are kept and mouths are tightly shut. Uh, a fantastic book and one to look out for. And finally today, uh, we're going back a bit here to 2009. Yeah, I decided to, you know the way you sometimes I do a classic? Yeah. Well, I've decided to kind of shake that up a bit for the summer and I'm doing fiction to film. So basically the book that I will be talking about is One Day by David Nichols. Mm, and this is about uh, two, uh, a boy and a girl called Emma and Dexter who meet for the first time on St. Swithin's Day, the 15th of July, 1988. Yeah, they do. They're just graduating from college and they spend the night together and um, then go their separate ways. But they, they decide to keep in touch through letters and phone calls and on the 15th of July, every year they meet up. So the story is basically spread over 20 years and and... Um, yeah, they, I mean, they, they love each other so much, but they want to stay as friends. They're afraid that if they go down that road that they'll break up and lose contact. So their friendship is, is, is a, such a loving one. And you do follow them through. And the book is so well written. You really, really feel um, the humour, the feelings, the emotion. There's letters written. You get to really glimpse the characters. Um, she's she's very kind of quiet, a uh, smart girl and he's a party animal so they're polar opposites but their love is amazing and uh, then you had the um, author did the screenplay for the movie yes so and that came out a couple of years after the book which, mm. which won the Galaxy Book of the Year in 2010 it was an amazing book but the movie kind of was it was a bit of a miss for me to be honest okay. I, I just thought it wasn't the casting wasn't great um, the book was definitely much better because you're missing out on all the all the touching feelings and emotion and a lot of the story and mm. um, the thing I did like about it though was the music all the way through it was fantastic because the book starts in 1988 and you have 20 years then of music oh. that's fed through it's great yeah. your type of stuff it's yeah. no it's no Halle Met Sally, uh, Harry Met Sally no, so no, no, no but it's no. a similar kind of story in that you know friendships they're trying is there such a thing as platonic friendship you know yeah yeah but uh, again you give this the thumbs up it goes back as I said 2009 won the awards in 2010 but still worth picking up today, Margaret, was, and yeah, you'll yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, it You know, I kind of yeah. dipped back into it again. It's, yeah. it's a great book and literally don't judge the book by the movie. Ah, there you are. One Day by David Nichols is the pick from uh, book to uh, the movie screen. Stick with the book. Never mind the movie, says <laughs> Margaret Madden. I think you have an assistant for next time on the book review. I hear him there in the background or her trying to join you. Oh, stop. 
that's the dogs that came with the child that moved back in. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you well. I wish you well. Hi, please it? come back to the studio. <laughs> <laughs> please, God, sooner rather than yeah. later. Let's hope, Margaret. But as usual, thank you so much for your wonderful recommendations. Oh, no worries. I'm going to be looking at, listening in now to uh, Rick Sunday and his wine recommendations. <laughs> he's on Have the way. He's, he's on the way. You too, Margaret. Take care now. Bye-bye. That's the wonderful Margaret Madden there with her recommendations. And I will remind you, if you want to listen back to Late Lunch, the podcast, we have it up there shortly after four o'clock when the show finishes, lmfm.ie. It's there. Late Lunch, listen back. You can hear the recommendations again and all else besides. It's there every single day. Late Lunch, LMFM Radio. It's crisps, chocolate and nuts next. I'm in culinary school for the next while. Well, Miss Ferder, please tell me what I have to do. Take me through this. Okay. I got you a bag of King Crisps. Yes. I know you prefer potato, but I don't, so I win. Okay, so open the crisps. Just kind of slightly yeah. break them up in the bag. I'm doing Not this. too much. Okay, a little bit of a break there. Okay. Now add your peanuts. Yeah. Add in the peanuts. Add in the peanuts. These are just... Don't Salted peanuts. How many peanuts? A little oh, few. Just, hold, on, hold on, there's a bag of them here. Don't be mean with them. Throw them in. Okay, and shake them up. Lovely. All in the shake. Okay. Now taste them first. No, so I must have a few peanuts in the gob along with the crisp, is it? Mm. Hold on, hold on. Now. Here we go. Such a very noisy eater. <laughs> I am. <laughs> and that's with me gob shut. <laughs> I'm always doing this with me gob open to give out yards to me. Oh, that's very nice. Mm, mm. You converted. Oh, that's very nice. We can let the peanut and the crisp. Now. Hold on, hold on. I want to have another little bit. Keep talking there. Mm. <laughs> you can be released into the wild now, Jerry. You're cultured. <laughs> oh, I like that. He's no, lovely, I, isn't imagine it? at this stage in my life, I never tasted that. Why before. did you never taste it? Have you not seen anybody else doing it? Never. Think never. You, <laughs> think you need new friends? Oh no, I know what it is. It's a nav and thing. They're all nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm I proud guess, of it. I yes. <laughs> That's lovely, I have to say. So um, there you are, salted have peanuts them. mixed Hope. with the crisps. No, Thumbs you, up. Now, hold on. You've brought in chocolate here. Mm, somebody texted in yesterday saying okay. add chocolate. So I haven't. I'm going to try this as well. Okay, so I'm breaking up the chocolate in little pieces, okay? We've got giant buttons. Oh, yeah, we have. We have. Hold on, we'll break up the chocolate in here and we'll see what this does for us now. I was let loose in deals yeah. this morning. By the way, your friend who was on about the pork scratchings is back to us there. Oh, and he says, I'm sorry you didn't get the scratchings. They must have stopped doing them. You looked mm. for them, didn't you? I did. I went around the whole shop twice and then asked the lady and she said, haven't, they haven't stopped them in a while. There you go. It must be Brexit. We have no... <laughs> <laughs> Pork scratchings Blame are Blame it on goose, everybody. Our goose since Brexit came in. So here now is a very weird combination. Peanuts, crisps and chocolate. Here we go. Well, you better tell me because you're the aficionado. Come on, you taste for us. I'll keep talking there. Okay, Louise, over to you. Chocolate, crisps and peanuts combined. Mm. What do you think? Yummy. Do you like it? Mm. Do you think it's a little addition Kinda you like do? like crisp with Nutella. Okay, it? here I go. Crispy Nutella. Mm. Do you just imagine this getting stuck in your throat in the yeah. air? <laughs> if you melt the chocolate first in your mouth and then it's lovely. It's nice, mm-hmm. but no. No. but I'm going to say to you, you prefer with that. I chocolate. prefer the crisps and the peanuts mm-hmm. on their own. Yeah, I think what I would think? too. But it it is nice though. Oh Jesus! Don't say no, but I... that's just a killer. Chocolate, peanuts, and crisps all combined. Well, no, it's mm-hmm. nice. 
but the chocolate dominates. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas I think the salted peanuts and the cheese and onion crisps mixed, it's they a better combination and they complement. Mm. They do. There you go. I wonder if Kenny go one step further now and have peanut butter and crisp sandwiches. You could, but the, the lady yesterday, or the gent it was maybe who said, uh, sprinkle some cheese. <gasps> yeah, I forgot the cheese. I think cheese on top of the peanuts and crisps would be we'll very nice. Do that Tuesday. We'll have to give that a go, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll add the cheese. <laughs> we'll add the cheese on Tuesday for you, yes. And we'll report back to you Any on other that combinations anybody else has? Yeah. Anybody- More than welcome. Let us know. If you have anything else to do with crisps and peanuts and snacks and that that combine well, tell us. We love to hear from you. 086-1800-658. And are WhatsApp. people king or Tato? Well, we have king You're Tato, today. aren't you? No, no, I love both. I love do you? King. I thought I love you king, I love tato. tato. If you have the combinations, let us know. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text us to the show. You can call in on 1850-715-958. A crisp I want to mention of yesteryear that I absolutely loved. They're not around anymore. I loved Perry crisps. I think not around. Perry? Oh, no, I don't think. You can't get Perry crisps. I haven't seen not? them in years. No, they're gone. They used gone. to have funny flavours, didn't they? Ah, Perry cheese and onion were lovely. And I think they were a little bit cheaper than the tato as well when you had no money. I'm nearly sure they were. Were they made in Ashburn? Oh, they were all made in the same place, mm. I think. Uh, Sam Spuds was another one Love you were mentioned yesterday. Smoky bacon. Did I say to you I thought they were a Donegal yeah. crisp? I just I had that in my mind. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Hunky Dories, I think, are Donegal as well. But uh, um, I, I have to say, I'm taking the chocolate out of that bag now. I'm going to pour it all out here, pick out the chocolate and put it mm. back in and just have the peanuts <laughs> and the crisps. But anyway, um, yeah, Perry, they're not about anymore. They really aren't. I haven't seen them in years and years. used to have a years. pinky bag. Was that Worcester mm. sauce or something? Or prawn cocktail? Worcester sauce is lovely in a crisp. Mm. Don't see them around much anymore. Worcester sauce flavour is a lovely flavour. I, I I enjoyed that. Uh, and and so there's so many artisan crisps. Oh, remember now, we've got to mention them. Uh, Kills we've we've enjoyed here in the past and we were with them when they started up there. Clintons. Clintons. Ah, Clintons are great crisps. Oh, they're brilliant crisps. They really are. Crunchy. Hard, hard to get now. You loved the Clintons, didn't you? You really I loved did. this, yeah, sea salt flavour. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I have to say to you, I don't like just salted crisps. No, oh, I do. Oh, geez, no, I think there's nothing. I, it has to be salt plus vinegar or cheese and onion, you know, with a bit of salt put through it as so well. You don't like hula hoops, the order, you know, the way you no, I like get the, salted. There's a flavour, there's a cheese and onion hula hoop. I like that mm. one. That's not so I don't like just salted on their own. I suppose it's a, it's a palate thing. But there you have it. We did what we said yesterday. We're good to a word and late lunch. We mixed up the concoctions. I'm a fan of the salted peanuts. And, and we have 14 other bags to go through. Holy God. <laughs> We'll be on to Rachel Graham. If Rachel's listening, she has our fingers in her ears. Our nutritionist is going mad. Anyway, a bit of fun on late lunch this afternoon. Still to come on the show, Rick Grunge is coming with the wine shortly, but taking us towards our next break. It's Westlife. I'm picking peanuts out of my teeth here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Liam's been on to say I told you you'd love the combination Jerry of the peanuts and the crisps uh, somebody else saying what about walkers Jerry they're lovely yeah I think walkers are nice too a bit of an acquired taste but they are nice and they have a big following and a man who has a huge following on this show is about to make our bank holiday weekend he's our virtuoso of vino Rick Grange hello again hello Jerry I'll take the wine and chocolates please <laughs> Well, Rick, I picked the chocolates out of the peanuts and crisps there and just had them on their own. But chocolate and wine, it something goes, yes? Oh, definitely. 
definitely, uh, Jerry. There's um, actually uh, the very first wine we're going to do wouldn't be too far off for something sweet. Ah, there you go. And the wines today, you picked them up in Dunn stores, in the marshes in Dundalk, and you were pleasantly surprised. I was, Jerry. I have to say, uh, you know, for the past few months, it's been a struggle getting uh, something new to present to the listeners. But uh, I was very pleasantly surprised to see some lovely, lovely and really good wines. This is not just one or two. There was a, it was a hard choice this, this month, believe it or not. Ah, oh, that's good to hear. So let's begin with the white. You're in Spain. I am. Catalonia, or Catalonia as they call it there. And the name of the wine is San Valentin. And the grape variety, something we've, I, I can't recall seeing it here before, is the Paralada, so uh, 2019. Um, it's mainly used in making cava and blending with other varieties. So Paralada, yeah, not something we're going to see too often here. No, I've never seen the name in our uh, chats over the years before, to be honest with you. Um, it, it's, uh, in describing it in its growth, it's, it's a tight little grape, is it? It is. The, the bunches tend to be very tight. And that, in the growing circumstances, it means that the natural airflow is very restricted. Um, and the skin is, is very thin on it. The bunches will be medium to large. Um, so it, it's difficult to grow. Mm. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, it's, as I say, mainly for blending and making kava. But uh, as we'll see today, uh, quite a good grape on its own as well you know as a grape it's quality but yeah difficult to to grow and they grow it high up it has a low alcohol level but this the bodegas torres are a famous family not alone in spain but all over the world they are uh, jerry i mean this goes back to 1870 when they started in barcelona and today uh, uh, torres you'll find Chile, California, and even in India, which we spoke a, a good few years ago about wines from India. Mm. Um, yeah, very well known. I mean, 1999, Spectator, uh, the Wine Spectator, very well respected magazine, uh, named Bodegas Torres the most important winery in Spain. There you are. And they are behind this wine that Rick has selected today. Uh, like, we can't see it if you were here with me. Describe colour, nose, the palate, Rick. What are we talking about there? Yeah, Jerry. look, uh, as a grape, as I say, it's, uh, it grows in tight bunches, um, small to medium. It's a very thin skin. It's green, yellow in colour. It's not a particularly strong grape, hence the fact that it blends well with others. But um, as a wine on its own, it's very light, it's refreshing, a real summer drink, I must tell listeners that. And that is reflected in the alcohol content of 11%. You know, we used to 13, 13 and a half, and when yeah. you go to the rage, it could be 14, even 15. And that makes a big difference. But in color, it'll be pale lemon um, on the nose, really nice, a pear, uh, some honey, even a touch of pineapple on it. And on the palate, as I say, light in the body, a touch of sweetness, but not overly so, and a very, very delicate finish. A really, really good summer's wine. Aperitif, uh, seafood, match lovely, would it? And chocolate. 
Oh, absolutely, Jerry. I'll start with the chocolate and then we'll get to it. Uh, yeah, on its own, most definitely a very nice welcoming drink. Again, it's light, so it's not going to interfere with whatever food you're preparing with it. Yes, shellfish, crab, anything light in, 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 in the seafood style will, will go well with it. And even on, you know, if you have a sweet, uh, maybe a, a cake or a bit of chocolate, I think it'll sit well. That touch of sweetness will go well with it. Mm, so really versatile. Again, it's Spain, San Valentin. Uh, Paralada is the name of the grape year 2019. Dunn stores in the marshes have it there. €10.50. It's a nice price as well, Rick. Oh, lovely, Jerry. Uh, it's a 2019 1050 uh, absolute steal. And as I say, a lovely uh, different grape variety from our usual run, you know, of uh, the big names like Sauvignon Blanc mm. and Pinot Grigio. Yeah, definitely. Now, we're heading to Argentina for Rick's Red today, and it's a Malbec, lovely wine, but this is a big, bold guy, Rick. Yes, Jerry. Uh, yeah, it's best to be two of you having a go at this bottle. I think one, you could come short. Um, <laughs> it's Argentina, the Mendoza province, um, and the name is Catena, and it's a Malbec, and it's 2018. Very important, Jerry, because there's a 2019 on the shelf, and I've actually have a picture of the two together. And other than the difference in the year, you could very well be mistaken mm. uh, to take the wrong bottle. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Catena, of course, very. This uh, they were founded in 1902 uh, by Italian immigrant Nicola Catena, and today Catena Zapata, as it's known, is one of the most awarded wineries in Argentina. Now they're just on the outskirts of Mendoza, and uh, the family is very well respected and recognised for the um, groundbreaking work, really, in growing Malbec. Uh, at a very high altitude. Mm, because that's unusual, isn't it? For Because it's susceptible to frost and mildew. Exactly. Exactly, Jerry. It's a French variety. But uh, in France, it's gone. The, the, the area under it, in fact, it's only around Cahol now that you will find that uh, because of that susceptibility to frost and mildew and, of course, rot. Uh Argentina, of course, it had the opposite effect. And um, it, uh, believe it or not, it was introduced in 1856. But uh, it wasn't really till the 1980s, well over 100 years, over a century, uh, before it really hit the international uh, mm. market. Mm. Now, the interesting yeah. thing about this bottle, there are three different vineyards <laughs> represented in this in the bottle of wine. It's the Malbec, but uh, the combination obviously works well, Rick. Very important, Jerry. Well spotted there, because this is what I think what makes it sets it apart from uh, everything else. You're quite right. It's the same grape variety, but it's taken from three vineyards at three different altitudes at 920 meters, which is just under a kilometer, 1,450 meters. That is high for Malbec. That's one and a half kilometers. Um, that was the range. And then 12 months in barrels, which was a mix of first, second and third use. 
So it really a lot of planning, a lot of thought went into it. And the end result is an absolutely magnificent uh, wine. Now, what you do say for listeners today, decant this wine. Yes. Yes, it's a strong, it's a strong. Uh, this is the boy you put in the front row of a rugby squad. <laughs> <laughs> it's a strong one, Jerry. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so decant this. It's a big bodied wine. I take it. It's not for sipping on its own. You really do need to combine it. Absolutely, Jerry. I wouldn't recommend drinking this on its own. Um, it is just too strong for that. You know, I think the enjoyment will go out of it. It's meant to go with food uh, as well, you know. So, uh, yeah, definitely don't uh, enjoy the first glass on its own. I always say that to appreciate the wine and the effort that went into it. And the effort that went into it is reflected in the price. It's €17.50. You are paying for this, but you're getting your saying, Rick, guaranteed a premium product. Absolutely, Terry. Two and a half million bottles of this were sold. Uh, I think, if if I remember correct, off the top of my head, it was rated 94 uh, uh, out of 100 by Parker. Um, and it's 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 absolute genuine uh, quality one. It's worth the price. 2018, there you go, three years. Yeah, it's not bad for six Six euro. Mm. Cheaper than your TV license. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Argentina, Mendoza, Catena, Malbec, 2018. Dunn stores, Marshes, Dundalk. But in Dunn stores, I'm sure, check them out wherever you're living. 17 euro 50, but well worth every cent. Rick, until the next time, you're a star man. We're sorted for the bank holiday. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Take care of yourself. The brilliant Rick Cronje there. Just listening to uh, our ads there, you will be aware, if you're paying attention to them, that on Monday we have a very special documentary airing here on LMFM. It's called McClintock, The Forgotten Explorer, and the man behind it, Chris Nickel, is on the line. Hello again, Chris. Hi, Jerry. Good to talk to you. And you too, Francis Leopold McClintock. We've heard of Shackleton. We've heard of Tom Crean. This man should be mentioned in the same breath. He definitely should, and a and hundred years ago he would have been. He, he, he was wild, hugely famous towards the end of the, the, 19, the 20th century, and in fact there's a photo of him and Shackleton together because Shackleton and, and Scott of the Antarctic, they went and paid homage and tribute to him to McClintock before they went on their journeys and to get advice because he was sort of the, 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 the old grandfather of Arctic and polar exploration at that time, a huge figure. How has he slipped or did he slip out of the uh, uh, out of you for, for when the other two are, are celebrated and still talked about so much? Well, there, there's different reasons. I think uh, one is one, one person, I think it was from the, the County Loud Museum, he, he thinks it's because no one died and, and McClintock didn't die. He, he was successful and he kept uh, his crew safe, and, and kept, he was a very methodical man, so they didn't get into a lot of trouble. Um, and, and they were traveling in, in very remote places in Arctic Canada, and, uh, and yet they, they survived getting locked in the ice um, with, with no major hassle. So, so in some ways, uh, the, the day-to-day life, he, he kept a very, he, a very tight ship, so yeah. to speak, and, 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 and did well. And so there's... The, the the kind of story of his expeditions are maybe not as uh, you know brilliant as as say Shackleton's was, yes. but no less 
Um, you know, his book at the time was a bestseller when he came back. Um, you know, it was hugely famous. So, yeah. so he has fallen out of history. You know, uh, but maybe because he, he, you know, he was just a very good captain. Yes. So drama and death and stories like that didn't follow him. He survived, lived a, a long life. The Northwest Passage. Why was that so important? Well, th- there was always this idea that it could be a, good, a big trade route. So people had been trying to find it for for already a few hundred years at that stage. Um, but it had waned, you know, at that stage. It was it was sort of a prized thing, especially for the British. They wanted to, it, it was sort of conquering uh, this this last, the, the, this journey that, that some said could never be done, and they, wa- they wanted to do it. And there were always explorers who wanted to find that passage. Um, and so the, the, the expedition that originally went out, the Franklin expedition that, that went missing uh, 15 years before McClintock went there, you know that's what they were trying to do, and it was it was sort of for the glory of, glory of empire, amongst other things. And of course, the uh, local focus is he came from Dundalk. Dundalk was his uh, place of origin, and there was a little plaque, as we know, on a house there <laughs> in Seatown, just a little plaque to him. But he is now recognised in the museum. He is recognised in the museum. He he's recognised. You know, amongst polar uh, you know historians, he's very recognised, and in fact. Uh, coincidentally, tomorrow there's a there's just a mural being launched in Dundalk of McClintock uh, as part of the Sikh Urban Arts Festival, which I, I didn't even know uh, that that was happening. But it's 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 sort of synchronicity. Um, but that's being launched tomorrow. So I think you know there there's room. There's a lot of people I think who think that there's room for for McClintock become to become more known. And one of the biggest reasons is because those lost ships that he was searching for that that they never found, have been discovered now in the last uh, seven or eight years in, in Arctic Canada. So it's, it's sort of quite a, you know, in Canada, this is a huge story, and, and that's where I'm from, and that's why I was so interested in the story. Here, it's not as big a story, but I think there will be more, more media attention about it because they are diving those two ships, one of which is in, in fantastic, pristine condition. And, and what they're hoping for is that they can find some written records within the ship that they can bring out, up uh, to, to give more information about what happened. Because the only written record ever discovered by, was by McClintock and his crew in 1859. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found it in a cairn, and it was one sheet of paper that, that basically said that the captain had died and they had abandoned ship. Um, but other than that, there was no further information of what happened to the rest of the crew. Obviously, they all perished. Yeah. But, the, the, you know, at that stage, that was the only sort of evidence, written evidence, and it still is to this day, the only piece of written evidence that, of, of what happened. Very interesting. Anyway, you're doing your best to revive his memory, bring him back to life. I want to remind listeners, it's Bank Holiday Monday, 11 a.m. here on LMFM. McClintock, the forgotten explorer. Chris, you've done a great job. I'm looking forward to it myself. Wish you well. Thank you very much, Jerry. Thanks. Thanks for joining me. Don't miss it on Monday at 11, folks. Your riddle on Friday. I am a ward of six. My first three letters refer to an automobile. My last three letters refer to a household animal. My first four letters is a fish. My hole is found in your room. What am I? The answer is a carpet. Well done to everybody. Our Louise got it straight away. Anyway, carpet is the answer. And our little gift today goes to Rosaline Martin. Well done to you, Rosaline, uh, for getting it right. And everybody else, we'll have another riddle for you uh, on Friday next on the show. 
Now, if it's not Peter, it's Magella. She's back to me again to tell me she didn't go skinny dipping because she didn't want Google zooming down on her. That would be a sight. As for the cold milk, she was on about the milk yesterday. I did turn the fridge off, but no joy. My fiancé, Jerry loves hunky-dory, crisps, salt and vinegar with tomatoes and cheese spread on a sandwich. I think he loves that more than he loves me. So let him walk up the aisle with his sandwich. <laughs> he better the side quick, says Magella. Nice to hear from you today. Now, Beatles are my artists of the week on Late Lunch this week. And following on from the White Album, which I finished the story up on yesterday in 1968, the Beatles released three more studio albums, two in 69, Yellow Submarine and Abbey Road, before the final one, Let It Be, which came out on May 8th, 1970. Shortly before its release, on April the 10th, Paul McCartney gave an interview, which is regarded as the day the Beatles went their separate ways. In truth, their demise had been happening for some time. With many of the view, I come back to it again, that the death of Brian Epstein, their manager in 1967, was actually the beginning of the end. Tensions developed on that front as to who should look after the Beatles' affairs with agreement never really forthcoming. And their conflict was also musically too, especially between Lennon and McCartney. The Beatles are the best and biggest selling musical act of all time with worldwide sales in excess of 600 million. They're still selling today. Most number one singles, albums, seven Grammy Awards, four Brits, an Academy Award and 15 Ivor Novello Awards. Some trophy cabinet, isn't it? Uh, they were also inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame collectively and individually and named by Rolling Stone magazine as the greatest artists in history. Not bad for a bunch of young scousers who emerged from humble beginnings and conquered the world. To complete my Beatles story... I'm giving a spin to the band's final single, released before McCartney's departure, written by Paul, about his mother who came to him in a dream, and a song which he never denied has biblical connotations. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Let it be, yes, uh, one of my favourite Beatles songs of all time and one of my favourite songs of all time. The words are just so, so special and uh, it's lovely to hear it again to conclude my Beatles story on Late Lunch. And we'll have another artist in focus for you on Late Lunch, our short week next week. Yes, we're off Monday here from Tuesday to Friday and I have someone in mind for a very special reason. I'll tell you more about that on Tuesday next. John's been on to say, hey Jerry, what was the answer to the riddle? The compressor came on in the workshop. I love it. I love it, John. Well, I hope it's a little quieter there with you now. The answer was a carpet. A carpet was the answer uh, to the riddle, John. Nice to hear from you. Hope you're doing well. Wish you a nice uh, bank holiday weekend and everybody out there as well. Well, now final break of the day and week on late launch and afterwards, as is our want each Friday, I'm joined by Leon Blanche and he takes a look ahead to the weekend in sport. Friday afternoon, he's back on late launch. Yes, the communications manager with Boyle Sports, Leon Blanche looking ahead to soccer and GAA. Hello again, Leon. 
How are you doing, Jerry? Great to have you with us. Let's get straight to the League of Ireland. Drogheda against Waterford at United Park. Yeah, and look, Jerry. I mean, this was the opening fixture of the season. Um, it seems a long time ago, and Drogheda were obviously successful on that occasion. But in fairness to to Waterford, they have picked up quite a bit recently. Um, a very good victory. Uh, last time out, beating Sligo 1-0. Obviously, Sligo were in third place in the table. But Drogheda, it's been a very, very decent season so far. They're sitting mid-table in fifth position. And Waterford, even though their form has improved, Drogheda, it's going to be a tough ask. I think this one could go very close. Um, There's not going to be a lot between them, in my opinion. Drogheda are at home. Maybe the home advantage will just swing it for them. However, I'm going to sit on the fence. I think this one could be a draw. I think there will be a couple of goals in it. I think both sides will be able to score. But as I said, Waterford, they have improved an awful lot lately. Drogheda maybe have stuttered a little bit. Um, but as I said, it's still been a very, very satisfactory first season back up in the top flight. And I think a score draw is the way I'd like to play it. Now let's move to GAA and headquarters, Croke Park, hosting two provincial finals this weekend. It begins tomorrow with the big Ulster clash of Monaghan and Tyrone. Yeah, and look, I mean, what can you say about Monaghan? Look, that was a great game against Armagh. They scored four goals, but they conceded a big scoreline. Will they go with that all-out attack approach again against Tyrone, who have been a breath of fresh air, I have to say, since Mickey Hart has obviously gone on to Loud, but Tyrone have played a more expansive game of football under the new management team, and it's been good to watch. I think most sides now are looking at GAA, and if you want to win an All-Ireland, you can't sit back anymore. You've got to be able to put up a big score. So this is an intriguing game. I'm, I think, from a Tyrone perspective, they're going to win as favourites, so that brings a little bit more pressure. Um, the big question mark from my perspective uh, looking at Tyrone is do they play the big man up front and I think if they want to win this I think they've got to play Cahill McShane I think he just he, he can bring other players into the game runners can run off him he's a target man if things aren't going well you can always hit a long ball into him so he's going to be crucial and what can you say about Conor McManus for Monaghan he's, he's, he's not getting any, any younger Jerry like the rest of us but he still put in a superb performance against Armagh I think they're going to be pivotal to both sides chances I think this is going to be very very close indeed but I'm just going to give it to, to Tyrone I think they might just have the fresher legs they have a younger squad and this one don't be surprised at 15-2, to two, if it's a draw after 70 minutes and it goes in to added time. But I'm just going to give it to Tyrone. I think they'll just about get over the line. Then on Sunday at the Jones Road venue, it's Dublin against Kildare in the Leinster final. The Dubs, for the first time in a long time, pushed hard by me in the semi-final. But surely, red-hot favourites again to uh, win Is it an 11th Leinster title. That's right, Jerry. Look, they were, I mean, I suppose it's a tale of two halves for Dublin. They were brilliant in the first half against Mead. Uh, they went in, I think it was a 10 or 11 points up at half time. But Mead, to their credit, and I mean this to their credit, they came out and they really had a go at Dublin. And I think what Mead <coughs> showed is that Dublin are vulnerable. They don't have all their players back yet. Um, they're missing um, John Small. Uh, they're missing old Merchant. There's talk about those two lads might be back in come Sunday. But I think they'll still have enough to get by Kildare. I think Dublin will win Leinster. However, Kildare, 
they would have expected to get to a Leinster final. They didn't have Dublin. They didn't have Mead on the side of the draw. So if they didn't make a final, it would have been a disappointment for them. Dublin are huge favourites. But the big question mark, I think, for a lot of people is, can they cover the spread? Now, the spread at the moment is 11 points. If you took Dublin from the first half against Mead, you would say yes. Second half, you would say no. But I just feel Dublin would have learned a lot from that Mead game. And I'm going to go with Dublin minus 11 I think they're well capable of doing it. And for a first goal scorer, for anyone out there who likes to have a little one or two euro on a first goal scorer, Cormac Costello. I said it at the start of the season, Jerry, it was going to be a big year for him. And by God, has he taken his chance. He has been exceptional for the dubs. He's a very electric player and Crow Park suits him. He likes to find space. He's got a turn of foot. He's been really good. He's, he, I think for me, he has cemented his place in the starting 15. Dean Rock, a lot of people were saying, could they play in the same team? Of course they can. Dean Rock has been a legend for Dublin football. He'll take the free kicks. But Cormac Costello for a first goal scorer, 7-1. to one. He takes the penalties and he's going to be lurking in and around the square. That's how I see this game going. Leon, as usual, thank you so much. Enjoy the weekend and we'll uh, see you next Friday. All the best, Jerry. Yes, uh, the weekend in sport, local soccer and uh, finals of the uh, provincial championships in Croke Park. Mayo and Kerry await the winners. Oh, it's an intriguing uh, last uh, four it'll be, whoever comes through there. And uh, the All-Ireland wrapped up earlier this year, of course. Uh, new earlier dates for the uh, finals uh, kicking in this time round. Well, that's a lot on late lunch for the week. We have a lister on the hunt for pork scratchings for us. They're on the way. They're going to be ordered and sent in to us. We'll have them one way or the other. Thank you indeed. But uh, look, thanks to all of our guests who joined us during the week. We do appreciate your time on the show. To our listeners, you who join us every single day, we love when you interact with us, you listen. And I often say when I meet people outside and they remark something to me, it really is fantastic to hear. But take care of yourselves. Have a lovely bank holiday weekend. To Louise Walsh, my producer, and my new medley of crisp nut maker. Thank you so much, Louise, for everything. Couldn't do this without her. And uh, we'll be back, of course, on Tuesday, off on Bank Holiday Monday with a brand new week of late lunch. Eddie's coming next with the drive. He's raring to go. See you Tuesday. Have a good one. Take care. Bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the Northeast with same-day business finance, so let our van specialist, Danny, find a commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. See blackstonemotors.ie. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. 
My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.